Hello, hello, and welcome back to The Killer Kind. It's been a while. I know. I'm so sorry. It was completely unintentional, but I'm back, and I have quite the case for you today. It's a rough one. It's one of the most disturbing cases we've covered here on the show so far, so you have been warned. I won't give anything away ahead of time, but this is a very recent case. If you're a true crime lover like me, you've likely heard this one in the news recently. I saw the sentencing a couple of weeks ago, and that's what gave me the urge to cover the case myself. Because I wasn't familiar with the case at all, so I wanted to dive in to see what all actually went down. And this was a dark one. So, without further ado, let's just jump into the murder of Bart and Krista Halderson. Bart and Krista Halderson lived in the town of Windsor, Wisconsin. Krista was 53 years old and had been a stay-at-home mom for many years, but once both of her children became of an adult age, she went back to work and found a job as a receptionist at a company called Zimbrick, which was a car dealership that sold new and used cars. Bart was 50 years old and he was an accountant. He worked as a tax manager director at a company called BDO USA, which is a global accounting company. Now, from what his family said, Bart was a very work-oriented guy. He spent long hours at work and really made his career a huge priority. But with that said, he was still a great father and husband to his wife and two kids. Their oldest son, Mitchell, described his mom as your typical helicopter mom. She always wanted to know what her kids were up to, always checking in on them, etc. And he said she was a great mom, just maybe a little overbearing at times. But it just showed how much she really loved her children and how invested she was in their lives and their well-being. Both great parents who just wanted the best for their boys and did what they could to help their kids succeed and have a great future. So as I mentioned, Bart and Krista have two sons who were just 18 months apart. Mitchell, who was 24, and Chandler, who was just 23. It appears the brothers got along pretty well. They both liked to play video games, and that's mainly how the two bonded. They'd hang out and play video games together. In the summer of 2021, just last year, Mitchell was engaged to be married and lived on his own. So he had his life together and was doing pretty well. Then there's his brother, Chandler. Chandler was 23 at the time and was living at home with his parents. He did not have a job and he didn't really do anything. He played video games, he hung out with his girlfriend, and that was it. His parents, more so his mother, did everything for him. They cooked his meals, they did his laundry, they did everything for this guy. There's obviously no shame in living at home at 23 years old. I know a lot of people, especially here in the South, it seems, a lot of people do live at home until they get married, despite their age. Now, I feel like if you get into your late 20s and early 30s, you should probably find your own place. That's just my opinion. But although there's no shame in living at home, you should still be working, taking care of yourself, not letting your parents do everything for you. His parents probably enabled him a little bit, but I think his mom just loved her kids and wanted to do everything for them. And that's just really how she seemed. That was her personality. 
Now, I did see a couple of reports that claimed Chandler was telling people, including his parents, that he was working remotely for a Wisconsin insurance company. Whether or not that's true, I can't say for sure, but we'll get into that later on in the story. Despite possibly believing he had a job, it seemed like Krista and Bart started getting to the point where they were pushing Chandler a little bit to figure out what he was going to do with his life. They probably started asking him, you know, when are you going to move out? (laughs) Things like that. And in June 2021, Chandler tells everyone in his life that he had been hired by Elon Musk's SpaceX and would be moving to Florida later that month. Apparently, his girlfriend planned to go with him, and he had told her he'd already rented an apartment and bought a car. We would find out later that none of that was true. However, on Thursday, July 1st, Bart and Krista tell their son Chandler that they plan to go up to the family's cabin in Langlade County for the 4th of July weekend. They were supposedly going to leave early Friday morning, and they were going to drive up with a group of friends and have a good time. Chandler would later say that he last sees his parents on that Thursday night. However, he said he knew they left sometime around 6.15 a.m. on the morning of Friday, July 2nd. Chandler said his parents left with another couple that he didn't know and that this other couple drove the group up to the cabin. Now, days following his parents leaving for this trip, Chandler and everyone is going about life as usual. Chandler spends time with his girlfriend, Kat, at her house, and she also lives at home with her parents. The two hang out like usual. He spends time with her and her family and acts like everything is normal. However, he does mention a couple times after a few days have passed that he hasn't heard from his parents, and he thought it was out of the ordinary, but wasn't too concerned at the time. And neither was Kat or her mom, Dulce. They remember just thinking that He'd fear from his parents eventually, you know, nothing to be concerned about. However, there were some people that became concerned about Krista. Her co-workers who claimed she was supposed to work that Friday, July 2nd, and that it was very unlike her to just not show up and to not tell somebody where she was. Then there was Krista's best friend, Jane, who she had known since middle school. She became worried when it had been a few days and she hadn't heard from Krista, These two would practically talk daily, so they certainly wouldn't have gone past a few days without hearing from each other. So Jane calls Chandler and asks if he's heard from his mother. Chandler tells her that his mom actually texted him on the 4th of July, just checking in. However, other than that, he hasn't heard from either Bart or Krista. But he basically just says it's fine. They were going up to the cabin for a little while, and he was just reassuring her that everything was fine. But when July 7th rolled around and she still hadn't heard from her best friend, Jane really became worried. So she calls Mitchell, the other brother, and asks the same thing. And Mitchell was actually surprised. He hadn't heard that his parents were going up to the cabin at all. And this was very concerning because, as I mentioned earlier, Mitchell said his mom was somewhat of a helicopter mom. And she used pretty much any excuse to contact her son. And they also talked very frequently. In his mind, there was no way his mom wouldn't have at least told him they were going out of town for the weekend or for the week. It's not clear exactly how long Chandler was told they were going to be gone. 
Not long after Mitchell got this phone call from Jane, he received a text from Chandler saying that he was concerned he hadn't heard from his parents yet. And at first, Mitchell is trying to rationalize everything, trying to determine a reason for why they may not be texting back. Could it be that they didn't have service? Maybe something happened to their phones? And then he wanted to determine who this other couple was that they supposedly went on this trip with. And he immediately thought of at least three couples that have gone with his parents before. One being Jane and her husband. So obviously they were ruled out right away. Then he reaches out to two other couples that he thought about being with his parents. And he reached out to them separately. And both of them said, you know, no, we're not up there with your parents. We didn't plan any sort of trip. So at this point, Mitchell becomes pretty confused and starts wondering, you know, what exactly is going on here? And it's just getting weird at this point, basically. Now, once they talk to Mitchell and he tells them he hasn't heard from either Bart or Krista, Jane and her husband decide to drive up to this cabin in White Lake. And to their surprise, not only are Bart and Krista not there, there is no sign that they had been there at all recently. So Jane calls Chandler back and is like, hey, you know, there's no sign of your parents being here. Something must have happened. And Chandler's response is very strange. He asked them if they found any shell casings or blood. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) That should not be your first question. Not only should your mind not go to something that horrific right away, but why those two specific things? Very strange. Now, it's unclear to me exactly what day Jane and her husband went up to the cabin, but it was likely the day before July 7th or the morning of July 7th because the Haldersons were actually reported missing at 11.30 a.m. on Wednesday, July 7th, 2021. And it was actually Chandler Halderson that reported his parents missing. After the missing persons report was filed, Mitchell decided to drive up to the property and take a look around himself to see if there were any signs of his parents having been up there. And not long after he got there, investigators showed up to search the property as well. So Mitchell basically joins them in the search and tells the investigators all that he knows about the days since his parents were last seen. And during the search, there's honestly just nothing. There's no sign of Krista or Bart ever being there inside the cabin or outside the cabin. It's becoming obvious that the Haldersons didn't actually go on this trip or at least didn't make it to the cabin that they were going to. Now, according to the criminal complaint filed by the prosecution, police go to the family home in Windsor and interview Chandler Halderson. We'll get into all what was observed inside the home later, but for now, we'll focus on what Chandler had to say. So he tells the original story, that his parents left on July 2nd before he woke up. They were headed to their cabin in White Lake with some unknown couple. Chandler told the police that his mom texted him on July 4th, but that was allegedly the only communication he had with his parents over the course of their trip. He goes on to state that he thought his parents were missing because they had not yet returned home by July 7th and calls had started going straight to voicemail. The following day, the disappearance hits the local news stations and Chandler starts conducting interviews. 
That morning, he tells 27 News the same story he gave the police. He's just talking to the media, saying he's concerned for his parents' whereabouts and wants some answers. After he makes his rounds in the media that morning, Jane's two daughters decide to go to the Hollerson's home to check on Chandler and see how he's doing. The two families were close, and they had a good relationship with Chandler. They had previously described him as the warmer brother, basically the one that could was easier to talk to and they had a better relationship with. However, when the two girls get to the home and start talking to Chandler, they describe him as very cold. Little to no emotion about his parents' disappearance. One of the girls even said she quickly felt as though she was in a crime scene. She said she couldn't explain why, just a bad feeling she got while she was there. Both girls described things in the home as being out of place. For example, the dining room table was laid over on its side, and all of the furniture downstairs in the basement was covered. I couldn't find specifically what it was covered with. Plastic, sheets, blankets, not really sure. But either way, that's got to be a strange sight to see. And then... Chandler makes a strange statement to the two girls. He tells them to never give their phone to police because they'll never get it back. He said that if they want something off your phone, then they should, quote, screenshot everything and send it to them. Don't just hand it over. Which is bizarre. I don't think that's incriminating or anything. I just think it's a weird comment to make. Granted, if you have nothing to hide, it shouldn't matter. You should want to help in any way that you can. But, you know, kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt here. He's 23 years old and probably lives on his phone. So having to get it up for however long probably sucked for him. But still a weird thing to say. And speaking of weird, earlier that morning, Chandler went over to his neighbor's house to ask him about his ring doorbell. Chandler's neighbor was actually a former Madison Police Department detective. His name was Kevin Linsmeyer. And Chandler walks over to his house and asks if his ring doorbell could have captured anything from the Halderson's home that Friday morning his parents supposedly left the house. Now, Chandler said he was just trying to see what kind of car his parents were in and to see if he could help identify the couple that they were with. That's not a terrible thing to ask for, honestly. That's a very valid excuse to want the ring camera footage. However, what didn't sit well with this neighbor was that Chandler specifically asked him to not hand the footage over to the police, but that if he sees anything, to give it to him instead. So Chandler's seemingly making his rounds. He's talking to the media. He's talking to neighbors, friends, still hanging out with his girlfriend, still kind of going about his business like normal. He's not sitting still, though, that's for sure. And while Chandler's doing all of this, the police are trying their best to find Krista and Bart. But sadly, the investigation takes a horrific turn on that same day. On Thursday, July 8th, 2021, quote, mutilated and dismembered human remains were found in the Cottage Grove area of Wisconsin. Initially, police could tell that this was a torso of a male, and it took just a few days for the remains to be identified as that of Bart Halderson. Now, 
let's back up for a second and discuss where these remains were found. As I mentioned, they were found in the Cottage Grove area. And you're probably like, okay, where's that? (laughs) Well, it's about 20 minutes south of Windsor, where the Haldersons lived. Again, you're wondering, okay, where's that at? And how would Bart's body have ended up there? Well, let me tell you. Bart's torso was found on the property actually owned, wait for it, by Chandler Halderson's girlfriend's family. Specifically, this was the property of Kat's mother's partner's house. It's not clear if Kat lived at the house on this property or not, but we find out later that they had all spent time at this property between the time of July 2nd and July 7th, prior to the missing persons report being filed. And to describe this property to you a little bit, it was a pretty large piece of land with a house, a pool, open land with woods surrounding it. I want to say they had one of those like UTVs, ones that you would use just to drive around your land if you had like a farm or a larger piece of property. It would actually be reported later that Chandler showed up to the property on Monday, July 5th. Dulce said Chandler came to the house that Monday and asked if he could go for a swim in their pool. She didn't think too much of it and told him, of course, that would be no problem. But what she realized is that he doesn't actually use the pool at first. He walked out to the wooded area and stayed out there for about an hour to an hour and a half and then went over to the pool area after that. But then he goes over to the large shed on the property. And it was after that that he goes to the pool and appears to be washing himself off. Now, Dulce stated that he was too far away to tell exactly what he was doing there while at the shed. She obviously couldn't see him when he went into the woods either. So she thought he was acting weird and he normally would never show up to the house without Cat, or at least not if Cat wasn't there. But she knew he had been stressed out recently and figured he was just there to come hang out, be alone, kind of blow off some steam maybe. So on July 7th, when police interviewed Chandler, they must have taken his phone based on that odd conversation with two of Jane's daughters. And while they had his phone, they were able to track down exactly where Chandler had been over the last several days since his parents supposedly left. And ironically enough, Snapchat Maps was able to show that Chandler had been in the woods for quite a while on that Monday the 5th. So that's actually what led them to find Bart Halderson's partial remains. Now again, let me remind you, on July 8th, police had not yet identified who the remains belonged to. It was probably pretty obvious that the remains were that of Chandler's father based on the fact that Chandler had spent time in that area, and had been there just a few days prior. Now, with that said, police decided to interview Chandler for a second time and really brought him in for more formal questioning. And it was at this point that Chandler was taken into custody for providing false information on a missing person's case. Police at that time were calling the disappearance of Bart and Krista suspicious, so I believe at this point, they were trying to find something 
to pin on Chandler. I'm sure they just had their suspicions about him, and then now they have these remains found on a property that he has frequented. So I feel like they brought him in, charged him with this, just to buy some more time, either to hopefully rule him out or find more evidence against him. So by the morning of July 9th, police had obtained a search warrant to search the Halderson home. According to the police, on the morning of July 8th, Chandler made six Google searches back to back that referenced body found or dismembered body found and specifically Bart and Krista Halderson. Also, during the search of the Halderson home, investigators found the cell phones of both Bart and Krista. They were wrapped together with tinfoil and placed inside a shoe that was actually left inside their garage. When looking through Krista's phone, police were able to track her movements on July 1st. They were able to determine that Krista arrived home from work at exactly 5.12 p.m. and appeared to stay at home that evening. However, her phone was turned off at around midnight that night, and her phone would stay off for three full days. On July 4th, Krista's phone was turned back on shortly before 11 a.m. The phone would only stay on for about seven minutes, but during that time, she received a text message from her son Chandler saying, quote, hope this goes through. I bet there's a lot of people up there making it hard to message. Right after that message was received to Krista's phone, an outgoing message to Chandler was sent saying, quote, We made it safely to the cabin. We plan on going to a parade in White Lake today. But just a minute or two later, Krista's phone was turned off at 11.07 a.m. Now, some of the most incriminating evidence, I believe, was that police were able to determine the location the phone was in when those text messages went through. And, as you may have suspected, Chandler's messages were sent from his house. That's expected. However, the messages sent from Krista's phone were also sent from the Halderson home. And on July 7th, the previously unidentified human remains were formally identified as belonging to Bart Halderson. They were in the process of trying to determine the time of death, but it was speculated to be between July 1st and July 8th. It was after they officially identified Bart's remains that they would change the charges against Chandler Halderson. He was hit with three new charges. First degree intentional homicide, hiding a corpse, and mutilating a corpse. On top of his original charge of providing false information on a missing person's case. Now, this whole time, police are still trying to find out where Krista Halderson is. Prior to the phone records, they were hopeful she could still be found alive. And I think even after finding the messages they discovered, there was still hope in the back of their minds. But sadly, that hope would soon be lost. Backing up a little bit, on July 10th, an individual comes forward to report suspicious activity in Columbia County. This person reports that on July 3rd, she saw a man matching Chandler's description in the area of DNR property 
in Columbia County. The person she saw was reportedly wearing a backpack and walking away from the Wisconsin River. It was likely after she saw Chandler on the news and heard about his arrest that she came forward with this sort of odd activity, as she would later describe it. Jumping back to July 14th, gotta stay with me folks, <laughs> we're jumping around, but investigators were searching in the area where the witness reported suspicious behavior, and they made yet another gruesome discovery. More unidentified remains were found. It wasn't until July 30th that those remains were confirmed to be belonging to Krista Halderson, therefore doubling the charges against Chandler. After that discovery, police announced the first in a string of new locations being searched in relation to the case. The sheriff's office, along with their canine units and the Madison Police Department, began searching a waste management landfill outside of Johnson Creek, which is about a 25-minute drive from Cottage Grove. And the search areas just honestly kept popping up. On July 22nd, police announced they planned to search a nearby landfill, as well as the pond behind the Haldersons' home. In total, there were five locations related to the investigation, where more and more human remains were found. After the search of the pond, the police continued to search the area surrounding the pond, as well as further searches of the home itself. Now, prosecutors already pretty much had a good case on their hands, and on September 1st, Chandler appeared in court for the arraignment on the charges related to his mother's death, and he pleaded not guilty to all charges. The trial was officially scheduled for January 4th, 2022. And a ton of evidence comes out during this trial, as well as more remains found actually inside the Halderson's home. Bone fragments were found inside the vacuum cleaner. And yes, you heard me correctly. This kid literally tried to vacuum up his parents' bone fragments. And even more horribly, there were 200 pieces of human remains found inside the fireplace, including teeth and more bone fragments. It was determined that Chandler likely tried to burn little bit of a trigger warning here. Chandler tried to burn both of his parents' heads inside the family fireplace. That might be one of the most disturbing things I think I've ever heard or ever had to say. It also came out during the trial that Bart Halderson was killed by multiple gunshot wounds. The medical examiner was unable to determine Krista's cause of death. The gun used in the murder of his father was a gun Chandler bought from a friend that he had met through playing video games, and it was purchased just one month prior to the horrific deaths. The murder weapon was found on the Cottage Grove property, again, basically the property of his girlfriend's family. Not only that, there were several other tools and weapons found at this location that were clearly used during the dismemberment process. I'm just shocked that homeboy just left his tools and weapons at his girlfriend's house. Like, in the most obvious place. Like, who do you, what do you think, did you think they weren't going to find it? I'm just mind blown, honestly. 
Now, let's stop and take a moment to think about this entire situation. I've laid out the facts. I've given the timeline that we know surrounding the case. But you might be asking yourself, just like I was, why? Why would Chandler do all of this? Do such horrible things to his own parents who only seemed to love him, take care of him, want what's best for him. Well, the prosecution laid it all out during the trial. They were able to determine Chandler's likely motive for the murders. As I mentioned, Chandler was fooling everyone into thinking that he had a job and had just recently been hired by Elon Musk. And he was so close to bigger and better things. The prosecutors painted the picture that Chandler pretended to hold a work-from-home job. He would wake up early for these meetings that didn't exist so that his father, who was also working from home during the pandemic, would believe that he is actually working during the day. But what he had also been telling everyone in his life was that he was supposedly studying renewable energy engineering, when in reality, he had flunked out after his first semester. The Dane County District Attorney, William Brown, said that Chandler, quote, spun an amazing web of lies, trying to support his claims that he was holding down a job and studying in school. He actually fabricated dozens of email exchanges between himself and college administrators, and he even posed as an advisor on a call with his own dad using a burner phone he had purchased. Now, someone could likely pretend to be enrolled in school, but how do you fake being employed when you live at home and have no money? Well, he fabricated that as well. Bart Halderson had asked him why he wasn't getting paid by his employer after almost a year at this point. He made up excuses about errors in his salary and direct deposit information, eventually creating a fake paper trail of emails with HR to show his dad. The lie just didn't stop, and it didn't stop there. It appeared that Bart was starting to doubt his son more and more, And Chandler was trying harder and harder to convince his parents of the lies that he had been telling. Prosecutors continued their storyline by saying that Chandler felt, quote, the best way out of your pretend job is an even more pretend job. And that's when he told his family and girlfriend that he had been hired by SpaceX. However, when it came close to time to move to Florida for this new, cool, exciting job, He actually fakes a head injury, along with spinal damage and nerve damage that put him in a neck brace and rendered him unable to travel, surprisingly. A doctor actually took the stand to refute his fake injuries during the trial. Around that same time, Bart Halderson allegedly placed a call to the Madison Area Technical College, the school his son claimed to be attending, and he started asking questions about his son's transcripts and discovered that none of the administrators that Chandler had supposedly been emailing existed. This call was confirmed when investigators released a recorded customer service call from the school. It was on July 1st, 2021, the last day that Bart and Krista were seen alive, that Bart's calendar showed a meeting scheduled at the Madison Technical College a meeting that was more than likely fake. 
In cell phone records obtained by Bart's phone, a text message was found on the afternoon of July 1st from Bart to his son Chandler saying, I'm ready whenever you are. It would be the last recorded communication from Bart Halderson. Attorney William Brown claimed that rather than going to the college for the non-existent meeting, Chandler Halderson shot his father with a rifle and killed his mother a short while later when she arrived home, likely to cover up the fact that he had just killed his father. He then dismembered both their bodies, tried to burn them in their own fireplace, and then scattered their remains along public land, farms, along rivers, in ditches, and in trash cans. Bart's phone lost contact with all cell phone towers at about 2.33 p.m., indicating it had been turned off, and speculating that that is likely when Bart was killed. On Thursday, March 17, 2022, less than two weeks ago from today, Chandler Halderson was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. The judge, Judge John Hyland, stated, quote, I have to, for this sentencing, ensure that the only time Mr. Halderson comes back to this community is to have the privilege of a burial that he denied his parents. Wow. If you have kids, you can't tell me that doesn't make you a little scared of your children. Bart and Krista gave this kid the world, and I'm sure he had all the opportunities to have a great college education, and they really set him up to have a great life. And for some reason, he chose to lie and lie and lie until he likely felt he couldn't lie anymore, so he chooses murder as his only way out. It's horrific, it's disturbing, and it's heartbreaking. So as always, I would love to know your thoughts on today's episode. Head over to the podcast Instagram. And in case you forgot, because it's been so long, <laughs> that's at killer.kind.pod. And Lord willing, I'll be back here in two weeks. Until then, stay safe. Bye, guys. <laughs>